Welcome back to part two of an interview that I did with Carrie Barkis of Let's Encourage One Another. Carrie has a podcast and she also has a website called lovedoesthat.org where she sells encouragement and sympathy gifts. And then her podcast is a piece of that where she does episodes on how to really help others through hard times. So a lot of times when someone's going through hard things, whether they've lost a loved one, we really don't know how to love them, what to say, how to say it. And so she really bridges that gap and gives you advice on how to deal with that hard stuff, those uncomfortable conversations. And I really want you to, as a nurse, pay attention to what Carrie has done here. I want you to pay attention to her business model, all right? She has an online store where she sells encouragement and sympathy gifts, right? She also has a podcast where she talks about how to encourage one another during these hard seasons. And so from her podcast, she grows her audience and she filters them to her website where she sells encouragement and sympathy gifts. So pay attention to her business model as we dive into this second part of the episode and really just brainstorm, get inspired, like look at what she's done and what she's been able to create, how she's been able to build a business upon something that she's good at. She is good at encouraging other people. She is good at loving on others. She is good at sympathy. And so she's really created a business around this. So think about things that you could be really good at. It could be inside of nursing. It could be outside of nursing. But as you see this in real life, how Carrie has been able to build a business out of encouraging others and creating sympathy gifts, it really opens up the world of possibilities to think about what are you good at? What is it that you are exceptional at? that you could possibly take into the online space and build a business around. So I hope you enjoy part two of today's episode. If you have not left a review over on Apple iTunes, I would love it if you would leave a star and a written review. This just helps the podcast grow. This helps the podcast reach other nurses and healthcare professionals that are looking to create a passive income business or to step into that entrepreneurial space. And it really just gets the message out there and helps all of us as nurses just to come together and say, hey, you know, we are a nurse, but also we have these other gifts that we can share with the world. And so that is my mission of this podcast is to really provide passive income solutions for nurses and healthcare professionals that want to be entrepreneurs. So if you did that, I would love it. Also, if you'd like to take a screenshot, you can share it over on the gram and tag me. It's at Brianne underscore Bell underscore. And so with that, let's jump into part two of today's interview with Carrie Burgess. Welcome back to the Passive Income Nurse Podcast, where as healthcare professionals, we create passive income online. We're trading in our scrubs for yoga pants, we're thinking outside of the box, aka the hospital, and we're figuring out how to make money online. And just in case you were wondering, yes, we are professionals, but we were raised on Tupac, so we making changes. <laughs> yep, you heard that right. Hey, I'm Brianne Bell, registered nurse, health, wellness, and passive income advocate. Join me on this journey of breaking free from the hospital and taking control of your schedule to reconnecting with what matters most in life to surrendering and letting Jesus take the will. 
pop in your earbuds and get ready to be inspired to grow outside of the hospital walls and learn all kinds of different ways you can make money online. And so whether it's during your break or whether it's when you're not on shift, taking those moments to think about what your fundamental needs are and then incorporating them or finding out what, what really brings you life. Um, is it making sure that you have fun every week? If you're playing games or playing a sport, is it reading a novel? Is it taking a walk? Is it listening to music? Is it chatting with a friend? Is it drawing a picture? Like what are those life-giving activities for you? Mm -hmm. And then how can you make sure that you're getting them throughout the week? And preferably if you can getting at least a little bit during a break. Another example is just, you know, I know I need time with my husband and schedules get crazy and your schedules get crazy. Um, And so for my husband and I, we try to get a coffee date or a lunch date just once every two weeks or so. Mm -hmm. It's nothing big. It's just that that's personal time alone just with each other. It's another fundamental need we have. And if we don't get it, we, we recognize that we're like, this is really hard and I miss you and I want to see you. Yeah. And so as a nurse, what are some of those life-giving activities for you? And what are some of those fundamental needs that you have? Mm -hmm. And it may not look like everyone else and that's okay, but how can you incorporate that and make sure that you are getting it? Yeah. I, I, I love that because I think that, um, we miss out on a lot of that now because of the social media aspect of always having our phones in our hand. And really when any, when you think about it, most people, when they have any downtime, whether you're waiting in a doctor's office, whether you're sitting in the pickup line to pick your kids up from school, whether you're you know sitting on the toilet, going to the bathroom, you have your phone in your hand and you're scrolling social media or you're shopping on Amazon, or you're doing something that is distracting you away from centering yourself and taking that time for yourself. So where can you look at your day? And maybe you are super busy at work. Maybe you are working a 12 hour shift and you just need to go to the bathroom and sit there without your phone pulled out and just take some deep breaths and like recenter yourself. And so I love that you brought that up because I think a lot of that, we kind of rob ourselves of a lot of that um, just in society these days. And um, it's hard. It's hard to pull away from what we've got in the habit of doing. And so I'm like you, like when it comes to, it just goes back to that intentionality of setting the intention and being aware that you need that. So you personally need that. I I'm an introvert. A lot of people are like, really, you're an introvert. And I, and I am, but you have to understand like, so an introvert gets their energy and gets recharged from being by themselves and being centered and really taking that time, that downtime, whereas an extrovert gets their energy from being around other people. And so my husband is an extrovert and I am an introvert. And a lot of people think it is the opposite way around, but it's not. I really need my my time. And so I have a morning routine and that is my morning routine, no matter whether my kids are in school, whether they're out of school, whatever that looks like, I always start my day with intention. And you know, that's the time I read my devotional. That's the time that I pray. That's the time that I get my thoughts together. That's the time that I move my body and get my work out in. So really being intentional behind 
taking those moments and really understanding that self-care is not just going to get a pedicure or not just laying on your couch and binging Netflix. Um, self-care is really taking that time to being, you know, and being intentional about what do I need that is going to give me that, like, that's going to fill me up. And I have to have that time alone and I have to move my body and I have to eat foods that are healthy for my body. And so those are ways that I can give back to myself. So I am a better mom. So I'm a better wife. So I am a better friend. So I'm a better, you know, a nurse in that case where you can give back to your patients. It's really just filling your cup first and finding those things that are going to do that for you. And like you said, they can be different for everybody. It doesn't have to look the same, but you really have to, I think first, the first step will be to put your phone down because we're so quick to grab our phone Yes, and just waste that five five or 10 minutes that we had to be with ourselves and to sit there and just maybe just take some deep breaths or pray or just relax or just lay, like let the sun beam down on your face or just take a walk around the neighborhood or whatever that is for you. I know a lot of like, I love getting outside. Like I, I work out at home and I usually work out inside, but I love to get out in the afternoon and just walk with, and that's not even for necessarily exercise. It's more just to get my thoughts and like, just to connect and breathe fresh air. And like, just whether it's I'm listening to a podcast or I'm listening to the birds chirp, like whatever it is, I'm moving my body. I'm just outside and it just feels good. And that's one of the things that, that, that kind of recharge me and that um, I enjoy doing. So if you're at work, maybe that looks like just getting, like saying to a coworker, can you watch my rooms? All of my, you know, I've done all of my charting. I've caught up with everything. I need to go outside and breathe some fresh air for five minutes and have somebody cover your rooms, whatever that is. And it just, I don't know, it just recharges you and kind of resets things and kind of gives you that, that fresh perspective and allows you to, to keep going because we go and go and go and go. And then we don't take that time. And then we're just burnt out and we're exhausted. We just have nothing to give. And so really being intentional about those things, I think is, is super helpful in, in making sure that like, you're just being aware that every time, you know, just notice how many times you pick up your phone a day, you yes. know, <laughs> Because yeah. the habit, the habit is there. And unless you are aware of the habit and you're intentional about doing something different, um, because scrolling social media and looking at what other people are doing is not filling your cup. If anything, it's making you compare yourself to them. And that's never good. No. Yeah. yeah I've been really convicted by a quote from Michelle Myers from She Worked This Way. Yes. She said, I'm a better mom when I don't have my phone in my hands. Yes. I'm just like, yep, <laughs> that right there. For real? I'm better For mom real? when I don't have my phone in my hands. Yes. Because yeah. they're, you know, whether your kids notice it and they're begging for your attention and you're like, in a minute, in a minute, in a minute, you know, and you're caught up in watching reels on Instagram or, you know, you're caught up in shopping on Amazon or whatever you're doing, like your kids are begging for your attention. And so, yeah. yes, I love that. That's so true. That's so true. Yeah. So the only other thing that I would mention, and you guys have heard this before, as far as self-care for nurses, is just having your own support team. And I don't know what that looks like on the job. If you have groups of nurses that support each other or a supervisor that supports you, but even outside of work, having people that you can turn to when you're having a hard day and you don't have to give them all the details, but you can just let them know, Hey, can you pray for me today? Or, um, you know what? I just encountered this 
this patient who just found out this and this diagnosis and they're having a hard time. And, and can you just pray for them or pray for me as I reach out to them? And we don't need a lot of people, but we need people who are on our side and who can support us. Mm-hmm. And so whether that's your spouse, whether that's your best friends, whether that's another nurse friend that you work with, whether it's your small group leader at church, you need to intentionally pick people that, that, you know, they're praying for you and that you can talk to them if there's an important situation that pops up. And again, you don't have to give away all the details with confidentiality and stuff, but you can, you can generalize and you can say, well, I had this really hard day to day. This patient found out some really bad news and I'm just, I'm having a hard time processing it. Like it's really hurting my heart. And there's been heavy on my heart today. And I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. Just being able to talk through that with someone is really, really important. And, and I just want to encourage you guys to make sure that you are not just holding all, all of that in, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like the counselor who needs their own counselor. Like yeah. you're hearing all these stories and you're, you're seeing so much and you're experiencing so much. Mm-hmm. You need to process that with somebody. Yeah. And so just making sure that you have people there to support you and love you through that is really important too. Yeah. And I know from experience, just working in the ER, a lot of times you are dealing with emergent situations, traumas, that kind of thing. Um, Something that we would implement would be kind of like a decompression meeting. And so anybody that was involved with the trauma would, you know, once we got the patient, you know, transferred, we would just kind of all group together and we'd be like, okay, let's decompress. And so that way, like, because your adrenaline is going and you're, you're trying, you know, you're doing all the things. And then, so really just kind of refocusing back together and maybe just evaluating the situation. What did we do? Well, what could we have done better? What, how are you feeling? And so that was really helpful. Um, but I think outside of work, whether that's, you have a nurse coworker friend or just a, a close friend that you can just share some of your experiences with, I think that helps too. Not always in the healthcare setting. Do do you feel comfortable when it comes to that emotional piece of things? And a a lot of times I think nurses kind of shut down that emotional piece when they're at work because they try to separate, you know, this is my job. And so I'm just going to focus on the task at hand versus getting emotionally involved with patients. And I can see a lot of this with oncology and nurses that work with cancer patients or even like hospice or something like that, because you know, the end result is they're, you know, they're probably going to pass away, whether, you know, it's a fatal diagnosis or some kind of cancer that, you know, that, you know, they're not going to be able to survive or um, whatever that looks like. So I think you as, or as nurses or healthcare professionals, a lot of times we kind of emotionally detach from that. Um, But I do think it's important just to talk through those emotions, just to somebody um, that is close to you, just to, just to get them out. Like you said, so you don't stuff them down because I think it's hard to separate your emotional being from your work and from everything. Like you are an emotional being, whether you're at work, whether you're at home, whether you're being a mom, a wife, whatever that is. Um, So I think it's important to process that. Yeah. And it makes total sense to kind of detach yourself in the mm-hmm. moment because you're trying to get through and you, you want to provide the best care, but that doesn't mean the emotions aren't there. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to come at some point. And yeah. so just being able to, to recognize that and know that it's okay and it's healthy and mm-hmm. to deal with it so that it's not hurting you in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For yeah. Sure. Awesome. So, so Brianne, I want to turn this around a little bit because okay. <laughs> there, there are so many people who have family members and friends who are in hospitals who are um, dealing with cancer and getting treatments. And so I will be the first to admit that I don't like walking into a hospital. It's, it's not comfortable. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what all the rules are. And so I would love for you just from your perspective as a nurse, first of all, help us better understand the role of the nurse in the whole process. 
And I know there's, there's different ones. So there's doctor's offices and then there's the hospital, but in general, what is the primary role of the nurse in these kind of situations where we might be accompanying our friend to the doctor's office? Yeah. So, um, I will speak to this and I know COVID has kind of thrown a monkey wrench into things. And a lot of patients aren't able to have their family members accompany them and, you know, in certain situations, like there have been patients that have been dying alone, which is super sad. And so I have not worked in healthcare during COVID, but I can speak to just the the role as a nurse in general. I think for a patient or a family member, if they are dealing or they have, you know, they have something that is is bothering them or they're they're trying to process this, I think it's just that communication piece. Um with the nurse and just letting them know like, Hey, this is what, this is what I'm feeling. Uh, Like if they're having all of this anxiety about what's next, like what to to process, like what's to come, what should I expect uh, with this diagnosis or this treatment or whatever that is. I think it's just, um, just like with any relationship, it's just the communication piece and letting your nurse know this is what I'm going through. Because I think a lot of times it's that fear again, right? So the patients are in fear. The family members have this fear around this diagnosis. And I think when they communicate with the nurse or the doctor or the healthcare professional in a way that lets them know these are the emotions that I'm feeling. Can you please help me process this? Because I'm having a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety around that. So I think that open communication piece is very important because again, a lot of times the nurses, they appear busy. So the family members aren't going to want to quote, bother them, right? They don't want to bother them. And I want you to know if you're listening, if you have a family member that you're, you know, you're going to doctor's appointments with, or you're in the hospital or you're in the ER, just ask and communicate that with your nurse. Because a lot of times we don't, we're just so busy at hand and focused on the task that we don't slow down to maybe acknowledge that this, this family member is really having this anxiety over this diagnosis. And so a lot of times we may not pick up on that. So just if you communicate that, I think that will definitely help because nurses and healthcare professionals in general, like we're here to help people. And although we you know, we get caught up in the hustle and bustle and all the things that, you know, we have to do it. Um, we, most nurses are not going to mind if you say, Hey, can you please help me process this? Like, I'm really scared. My dad just got diagnosed with cancer. I've been reading all these things on the internet. Like, I don't know what to think is he, you know, what should I expect? So like really just saying, Hey, this is what I'm feeling. And can you help me process that? Yeah, that would totally be me like afraid to, <laughs> I don't want to bother them. Cause I know they're busy and I know there's other patients they need to take care of. And yeah. like, even, even when I had my kids in the hospital, like when I gave birth, like I never wanted to push that call button because I'm like, well, they're busy. They have other stuff to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's a, that's a mindset that we need to overcome. Of These nurses are here to help us and they mm-hmm. care about us and it's okay to ask questions when we have them. Yes. And, and I love that. And so just inviting us to ask the questions that we need to, and that's when it's a close family member, right? Like we're not obviously going to ask all these questions. If we're just visiting someone at church, (laughs) it might happen to be in the hospital, but if it's, if it's your daughter or your dad or your husband's like, you need to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so being willing to ask those questions is really important. I think about, let's say that you are visiting someone from church at the hospital or, you know what, they just had a surgery and they're in the hospital and you're allowed to visit them. We know that much. Uh, Maybe they're allowing a certain number of visitors each day in this season. I don't know. What are some things that we might want to keep in mind as we go to visit them? Like, again, for me, I would feel like I'm interrupting them Mm -hmm. and that maybe they need me sleeping. Like, 
or I, I, I'd be afraid to call the the hospital phone because I wouldn't want to wake them up if they're resting mm-hmm. or they're in the middle of a test. Like that would be kind of my mindset of going in. And so if I wanted to visit someone who is in the hospital or something like that, like, like what would be some things for us to kind of keep in mind or like, what might that look like? Yeah. So usually every floor, every department has what's called a nursing station. And so the nursing station is kind of where all the nurses hang out and do their charting. There's computers there. We usually have a secretary. It's usually in the middle of a unit um, if you're in the hospital or in the ER, but you can always ask for the charge nurse. And so the charge nurse is the nurse that has the role of being in charge of all the nurses that are on the floor that day. And so any issues that come up, any, any kind of higher level concern, the charge nurse usually is there to handle those kinds of things. So you can always ask to speak to the charge nurse and you can say, this is Brianne. I want to visit Carrie, who is a friend from church. She just had a surgery. I'd like to visit her in the hospital. Is she allowing visitors? And so that way, you know, okay, maybe Carrie has told the nurse, I don't want any visitors. I feel like I'm going to vomit. I just can't see anybody today. Right. So that would be a question you could ask, like, are they accepting visitors? And, you know, even with COVID, you really need to be asking that too, because a lot of people or a lot of hospitals are still have a policy where I think they'll allow close family members and stuff like that in the hospital. But, you know, again, it's going to be just hospital specific when it comes to what their visiting policy is and stuff like that. So just be sure to check on that aspect of it too. But the charge nurse is definitely someone you can reach out to ask about visitation if the patient is open to having visitors. And then from there, um, if they are, if they're very, you say you're feeling, you're feeling good, you just came out of surgery and yeah, you're, you're open to having visitors. When you're in the room, just being like, if a nurse comes in the room while you're visiting a patient, you may just want to ask, like, would you like for me to step out? Because when nurses come in, they may be checking on a wound care. They may be, they may be doing all of these more private, intimate things. You might not want me looking at, you know what I mean? Or yeah. So if a doctor or a nurse comes in the room, you can just ask the patient or ask the nurse, which would, would you like for me to step out or just volunteer? I'm going to step out for a few minutes and go to the waiting room. And so that way you're not, it doesn't get awkward or weird when you're in there like, Ooh, maybe she didn't want me to see this. Like, and then just walking out, you know what I mean? So you kind of establish that at the beginning of the, the visit or when the nurse comes in the room, like, would you like for me to step out of the room for a minute? And then that way you give them that space and that time, that privacy where they're able to do whatever they need to do. And then you can say, can you come and get me whenever you're done doing your procedure or whatever? So that would be something to, to keep in mind as well. Yeah. And as you say that, I'm sure, I'm sure there's someone somewhere that would be totally comfortable with you watching whatever they're doing. And so they're like, oh no, you just stay in the room. And for me, I'd be like, mm, oh, no. I don't want to. And so like, I'm trying to, in my mind, as you say that, I'm like, how can I gracefully say, no, that's okay. I'm going to step out for a few minutes and then I'll be back. (laughs) Yes. It's important to know what you can handle too. Like if it's a close friend and you're okay with seeing stuff like that and they're okay with it and hang in there and that's Mm -hmm. awesome. But if they say something to the effect that, oh no, you're welcome to stay. And that's just not comfortable for you. Yeah. Maybe you just say, Hey, you know, I'm actually going to go get a drink of water from the cafeteria or I'll be back in a few minutes and just excuse yourself from that. Cause you want to be respectful of their preferences, but you also need to know what, what you can handle. And some of us can't handle all the, the wounds and the, the, yeah, the, the nurse stuff. (laughs) We'll let you do that part. (laughs) Yeah, I know. 
Another aspect to consider that kind of goes along with that is, um, you know, just a privacy of information issue. So a lot of the times if there is a visitor, you may find that if you ask a question to the nurse, the nurse should confirm with the patient, do you mind if I tell your friend this? Because you may be asking something that's personal and the patient's like, I don't want them to know that kind of thing. So there is when it is a friend or, a, you know, a distant, um, maybe family friend or whatever that that is. And it's not like a close family member. Um, there is that aspect of confidentiality that's there too. So don't go in and ask, so what did they take out during surgery? <laughs> and what are you going to have to do? It just needs to be confirmed by the patient and the patient, you know, they'll say, yeah, that's fine. Or I, I'd rather not discuss that with them or whatever. So Yeah. It's funny. The questions we ask when something happens, because some people want to know all the details and they yeah. want to know specifically what's going on. And others are like, I don't really care about that. I, I just want to talk to you and see how you're doing. And yep. Just want to so, check on you and make sure you're okay. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah. I know it's scary when you've got someone who's in the hospital and they've just been through a surgery and, or maybe they had a diagnosis or they're just going through their first treatment for, for cancer or something like that. Like there's so many things that go through your, your mind and your heart. Mm-hmm. And I just, I really value what you as nurses bring to that because you play such an important role. And then I'm, I'm so thankful for others who are willing to go and visit. We're mm-hmm. willing to drive them to the doctor or sit with them during their treatment or sit and read to them while they're in their hospital room or just whatever that looks like. Like there are so many roles that we all have to play mm-hmm. and just being able to do that well um, and letting them, letting them know they're not alone mm-hmm. and they're hurt and they're, and their grief yeah. which is so very important. And so yeah, and I think nurses are dealing with another layer of issues when it comes to that. Uh, when you mentioned being alone because COVID, and yeah. I have a friend who is actually a nurse who got COVID pneumonia, and so she was in the hospital for ten days, and she was very sick, like she had a respiratory failure, and she said, "I have never felt more alone in my entire life." Mm-hmm. She said, "Literally, I it was." It was such a bad experience. She said, I literally thought I was going to die alone. And so that's so sad to know that, you know, so many patients have died alone and so many patients have just, I know they were trying to do Zooms with family that were dying so they could see them for one last time. And so it was just another aspect of just dealing with that situation in the healthcare field. I know it was hard for for patients. I know it was hard for family. I know it was a lot on the nurses. And so my heart really goes out to nurses and healthcare professionals that are dealing with patient, especially when you're ICU. And I know a lot of the hospitals now have like implemented like a COVID unit. So they have, you know, more of a confined um, area for patients, but hopefully now that everybody has had access to the vaccine, that's going to cut down on a lot of that. But it was definitely, it was sad to watch friends and coworkers go through that. It was just unimaginably hard for them. I'm yeah, sure. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. On top of being, you know, having that burnout and then having to deal with all of the other layers of stuff that come with, with COVID and the family members and, you know, having to deal with the patients and help them process all of those emotions and stuff like that was, was hard. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So if y'all listen to this, <laughs> just keep in <laughs> mind the challenge is to really break through whatever, whatever's holding you back from visiting. Like don't, don't let uncertainty or fear or whatever stop you from reaching out to someone who's going through this difficult season. Like just go ahead and take that stop mm-hmm. because they matter and we don't want them thinking that they have to go through that alone. So yeah. yeah, not no how one- it's meant to be. Yeah, no one ever wants to 
go through anything alone. I think that's one of the the biggest fears of people when they are, they're on their deathbed, whether an older person who's naturally passing is that they don't want to die alone. They don't want to be alone. And so I think that that's a big point to make that just be there and in any way that you can and just let them know that they're not alone and that that can look like you're praying for them. That can look like you're helping take care of their dog. That can look like cooking their family dinner or whatever that is. Just let them know that you're there. Yeah, absolutely. Brianne, thanks for chatting with me today. Yes, I enjoyed our conversation and I think this is a much needed area of discussion. It's not always a comfortable conversation, I don't think, because it is hard to even think about dealing with those emotions at hand. It can be hard. You don't know what to say. You don't want to say the wrong thing, but I think it's important just to know or to let people know that you're there and that's really what you stand for. Like, let's encourage one another. And I love that you have a podcast that is centered around that and that you sell gifts that are specific to helping people process this and just being able to let others know that you do care and here's a little something for you. I thought of you, I'm praying for you and you know, I'm, I'm encouraging you through these difficult times. So I love what you're doing. I love your mission and thank you so much. I did want you, before we hop off, to share, you have a freebie that listeners can download. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So I have a free guide called Tips for Encouraging Others When You're Still Healing, because I know that there are times when we are called upon to encourage and care for those who are hurting, but we too are hurting. We're going through a difficult season and yet we're still expected and we still want to care for others. And so the guide just offers a few tips to help you kind of navigate what that season looks like. And you can find it at lovedoesthat.org slash healing. And I just really want to help help us all kind of figure out how to do this thing well. Yeah. And even, even when we are hurting or struggling, mm-hmm. there's there's still ways that we can kind of care for others in a way that's honoring to God and healthy for us. So, yes, yes I love that. And your website, um, where the, where you can purchase the gifts is lovesdoesthat.org, correct? Lovesdoesthat.org. Yep. Yeah. You guys go check it out. She's got some really, really cute stuff on there and definitely a keepsake for people to remember their loved ones and just to kind of help them process what they're going through. So I love what you're doing, Carrie. Thank you so much. Mm, Well, thank you. Hey, real quick, before you go, if you enjoyed today's show, make sure you go over to Apple iTunes and hit subscribe. This way you'll get notified when all of the new episodes air. And if you've been listening to the show and you know some other friends or coworkers that may enjoy it, or you just want to say thank you, be sure to take a screenshot and share it over on the gram, post it up in your stories and tag me at Brianne, it's B-R-I-A-N-N-E underscore Bell, B-E-L-L. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I'm so grateful for you guys. Until next time. If you like my mom's podcast, make sure you subscribe and leave a review.